Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Teresa is a 65-year-old female who recently had a physical with you. As part of that workup, she had her bone mineral density test done, and she's coming in the office today to discuss the results. The test showed a a T-score of minus 2.6 in her femoral neck. Her FRAC score is 18 for any major osteoporotic fracture and 5% for a hip fracture over the next 10 years. Teresa wants to know about what her treatment options are. She states, I don't really want to try taking a medicine. I've heard they can hurt you. Why should Teresa take these medicines, and how should we address her recent findings on this bone mineral density? Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, and joining me to discuss the appropriate approach to treating and diagnosing osteoporosis is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Tract at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Susan. Hi, Frank. So I can think about many patients in my practice who fall into Teresa's situation. Here's a woman who meets the uh, dates for screening, and now we have uh, what appears to be a positive result. Can you just review for us briefly, review for us briefly, when we should be screening for osteoporosis, and then how do we make that diagnosis? Well, uh, according to the National Osteoporotic Foundation and the USPSTF. Screening should begin at 65, and at 60 for people who have high risk factors. So someone who's a smoker, drinker, has had a previous fracture, maybe they have celiac. So those are the screening, Um, even though I think most of us know that may start earlier, uh, but not based on on the recommendations. Um, As far as diagnosis, it's really based on the DEXA scan pretty much on the femoral neck. So if we look at standard deviations below a, the norm of a, a young white woman, um, and anywhere from minus 2.5 standard deviations below the normal um, is diagnostic for osteoporosis for both men and women. Um, minus 1 to 2.5 is considered thinning of bones or osteopenia. Um, so you can see that Teresa actually meets the definition by her femoral score, that she is osteoporotic. Mm-hmm. What, what's that FRAC score? The FRAC score is the fracture risk um, index that was uh, developed by uh, physicians in Sheffield, England. They have a, and it's been endorsed by the Endocrine Society and the, and the National Osteopor- Osteoporosis Foundation, and it's used in most of the Western world. And it's a way to determine risk of an osteoporotic fracture doesn't really speak to the benefit of the medication, but it it has been extrapolated that, okay, if you have this risk, there's a certain risk that you get on the FRAC score, we recommend treatment with a medication. So generally, it's if your FRAC score is uh, equal to or greater than a 20% risk of any osteoporotic fracture over the next 10 years, or you have a... um, a risk for a hip fracture that is 
equal to or greater than 3% over the next five years. So Teresa actually meets the criteria for her um, hip fracture because she's at 5% risk. All right. So um, we've screened her appropriately. Yes. And her, she's, she meets the criteria for initiation of treatment. What do the new Endocrine Society guidelines state about how we should be treating Teresa? Well, what's really nice about these guidelines is it sort of it tried to clear up um, the different types of medications, when you should use them, who, what patient characteristics are um, would go best with which medications, and what they really come down hard on is if they meet the if the patient has met the criteria for osteoporosis or has an increased risk of osteoporotic fracture bisphosphonates are the first choice, along with vitamin D and calcium, although they did not indicate dosing of those. They did, in, you know, uh, endorse that they should have it. Um, and that we should be monitoring people every one to three years during therapy. If they have an, an improvement or stability, you can consider a holiday off of the bisphosphonate um, in five years and then monitor them every two to four years during that holiday to see if they maintain uh, bone density. So that, that's really good information. It's nice to have a nice set of approach that we can take, that, that we can apply, that we can help patients make uh, informed decisions about, and we too can make informed decisions about. Because there's a lot of information out there that possibly the, the, length, and the, so the, frank, the length of medication treatment and the dosing might have some... Um, impact on some adverse outcomes. So um, it's been really murky. That information has not been clear. And um, this really gives us a nice toolbox. Okay. Well, Teresa has some hesitation. And I I think she's got some reasonable thoughts. (laughs) What are the pros and cons of taking medications for osteoporosis? Well, the pros are there does seem to be a reduction in hip fracture and vertebral fracture. Um, And hip fracture, of course, has with it uh, high morbidity or mortality that because of the decreased function so that is a benefit um there are you know it's, it can cause uh there are tough medications to take so you can get reflux and we do have you can take an oral or you can have an injectable which would take away the the reflux and the and the gastritis um but there has been in the literature two particular types of adverse effects one is osteonecrosis of the jaw and the other is atypical femoral fracture both are very rare um, but they um, seem to be tied with if you've been on the medication, and it doesn't, it's not just bisphosphonates, it's also the monoclonal antibodies. Really? Yes. Um, but if you've been on it for f- four or five years, that risk increases. But the highest risk, especially for bisphosphonates, are folks who have cancer, who are undergoing cancer therapy. So these are people that you would really want to possibly get an endocrine re- referral before you decided to go down the road of the bisphosphonate uh, for somebody who was tr- being treated because they, especially the osteonecrosis of the jaw seems to have a correlation to that. There is also some issue with, um, because for a while, I remember dentists would say, we're going to pull this person's tooth. I'm not touching this person. They're on phosphonates. Right. Right. So what the American Dental so- uh, Association said is, um, with bisphosphonates, you don't have to give them a holiday, but you you may want to say if they're pulling a tooth, a tooth extraction, or having an implant, wait until that area is healed. They don't tell you what how long that is. But if you look at the American Academy of Maxillofacial Surgeons, they say two months. Give them a two-month holiday. Uh, 
they're going to have their procedure, take them off their meds, and then two months after that, they should be healed enough that they shouldn't interfere with, with healing and put them at risk for that necrosis. The atypical femoral fracture is a little, little more murky. Um, it seems to have, there's a genetic or a femoral shape that might predispose somebody, but again, associated with length, both the monoclonal antibodies and the bisphosphonates. So the drug holiday is really a nice idea. And I, I think it gives people a feeling that they don't have to be on these forever. Well, let's talk a little bit about the options because if you were to ask me, do I want an injection once every six months or once a year versus taking a pill every day, I'd always choose the injection just to get it and not be part of my daily routine. What's considered first-line treatment? Well, the first-line treatment is the bisphosphonate oral. An you oral can, agent, right. okay. But you can get an IV infusion um, that would be done believe every six months. Um, and that has seems to have as great an efficacy. They believe that the um, the holiday would be three years as opposed to five, but it's still, you know, it's still a, um, you could have a, a shorter treatment on the, the IV. Um, now, the next group, the monoclonal antibodies, the denosumab, um, those do, cannot have a drug holiday. Okay. So oh. that's why I think, it, and the reason is, is they're pharmacokinetics. They, they, when you take somebody off within six months, they're back to their baseline. They don't maintain the, the bone density. So, but it does seem to have some of the same risks, even though it's very, very limited. So these are the discussions you want to have. You know, um, the, the IV uh, infusion is, we used to do it in the office I worked at, is not a big deal. Um, and Or you can work with an endocrinologist to have that if that's something somebody really wants. It takes 20 minutes, um, and, it's, it's an, and it's covered by insurance the same way the uh, oral is. Yeah. The, the, the injectables seem to be quite a bit more expensive. I've yes. had a fair amount of trouble getting insurers to yeah. pay for it. Okay, so we're, Teresa's here. Let's, let's give her her options, and how do you want to move forward? Well, I think what I would I would talk to her about the benefits of the bifosfonates. It's it's a you know relatively safe medication. Tell her that if we um, monitor her every one to three years while she's on therapy and she appears to be improving, which by the way, the evidence doesn't really give us ideas of what an improvement looks like. Mm. But it's basically the the conventional wisdom is stability or slight improvement in density. Then we can take her off in five years, and that will re significantly reduce her risk of an adverse outcome. But more and very important is weight-bearing exercise, uh, muscle strengthening, um, avoiding excessive alcohol. If she's a smoker, get her to stop smoking. All of those things are going to help her, and you might be able to, if she has some of those behaviors, this might be a really a great incentive. You know, and you might, I mean, you you know, she's got a, you know, minus 2.6 femoral neck um, density. I mean, you you would really negotiate with her. Maybe she says, listen, I'm going to start exercising, stop smoking, not, I'm going to cut down on my, on my wine, and maybe you check her in a year and a half. I mean, that would be a negotiation as well. Calcium, vitamin D? Yes, calcium and vitamin D are, are recommended by the new guidelines. Um, they, the evidence is really not strong. And the problem is all of the studies looked at, have looked at bisphosphonates with vitamin D and calcium, so it's hard to know what, what works and what doesn't. Um, when you look at the, the recommendations from the, um, the, you know, the NIH and the uh, FDA on uh, intake, on, on uh, recommended daily um, intake, 
vitamin D is 600 international units, um, and calcium is any is uh, thousand milligrams a day, uh, going up to 12, 1200 once somebody is over 70. So, um, but that do, they're very clear to say that includes you have it dietary. So it's not on top of mm. that. People should really look at how much calcium and how much vitamin D they're getting in their food, and then supplement that aspect after. Not to just give them a thousand milligrams of calcium if they're getting that in their daily diet. Well, thank you very much, Susan. I think Teresa will benefit a great deal, as will all of our patients from this discussion based upon the new Endocrine Society Clinical Practice Guidelines. Practice Pointer, the 2019 Endocrine Society Clinical Practice Guidelines on the Diagnosis and Treatment of Osteoporosis recommend starting at age 65 for most women and using bisphosphonates as first-line treatment with the addition of weight-bearing exercise, vitamin D, and calcium supplementation. Join us next time when we discuss the American College of Physicians' recommendations regarding breast cancer screening. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast, and see you next week.